All right, bradcooney.com would like to welcome in guitar extraordinaire Justin Johnson. Justin, what's up, brother? Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, man. I, mean, I appreciate you coming on board. Um, you know, I discovered you on YouTube, to be honest with you, um, and just really started getting into your music and watching your videos and and... You know, you have a very unique style, and you play all kinds of crazy six strings and three strings and shovels and um, very, very interesting stuff, man. So I wanted to give you an opportunity just um, as a start, just to kind of tell the listeners a little bit about you, your background, where you grew up, just things like that. Well, you know, um, yeah, like you said, I've got a huge passion for um, you know music in general, of course, but... I've always loved and felt at home on stringed instruments specifically. You know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what type of stringed instrument, but, um, you know, that's, that's always been something I've gravitated towards. And since the first time I picked up the old one-string guitar that was lying around the family home, um, originally I'm from Southern California, and I've moved all over the country, you know, growing up. And then uh, lived in Seattle for a while, uh, family relocated to North Carolina. That's where I met my fiance, Nikki. And then once I met uh, Nikki, you know, it was really, you know, at the time I'd been playing in bands. Uh, almost, well, I think the most I'd been playing in was like six bands at the same time. Wow. It was kind of like a hired, hired gun on lead guitar for a long time uh, at the beginning of my career. And uh, we decided we, you know, we wanted to make a life together and we wanted to hit the road together and see what we could do, you know, me and Nikki. And uh, it's just been an awesome journey since then. That's when I went, you know, decided let me try to go solo, you know, so we have a little more freedom artistically and, our, you know, in our life and our relationship. And we've toured the world for years. It's been really great. Uh, we live in Nashville right now, and I'm um, finishing up my newest album, Driving It Down, at Cash Cabin Studio, uh, which is the studio where Johnny Cash uh, did all of his final recordings, all the American recordings. And, uh, you know, just loving it, man. Uh, just loving music and loving life. Now, you, you brought up that you were born in Southern California and you, you lived in Seattle. Um, I guess my question, as far as that goes, was there any different types of... Like, you know, yeah, I remember like in the 90s, the grunge thing happened and, the, this, of course, the Pearl Jams out of that Washington area. Um, did you get any influence from, geographically speaking, did you get any, any influence from different parts of the country with your music? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things we draw a lot of influence from musically. And, um, you know, going back historically, uh, you know, when I did live in Seattle, it was the mid-90s, mm -hmm. and that was, you know, the height of that grunge era. Right. The music coming out of Seattle was influencing everybody, and you really couldn't get away from it if you right. were around that region, especially as a kid growing up, you know, because it's just, uh, you know, not only was it amazing music, but, you know, that's, that's what was, I guess you could say, cool at the time, you know, and so everyone was listening to Soundgarden, Nirvana, uh, you know, like you said, Pearl Jam, I saw them live a couple times with my brother. It's uh, a great time to be influenced by that music. And, uh, you know, there's still so much of that that we do now. Like, like I said, when we were touring, we toured on the road full time, uh, you know, with no permanent address for about five years, uh, just going everywhere and anywhere we could to follow the music. And we'd go to places like, you know, uh, the Mississippi Delta or the Appalachian Mountains, New mm. Orleans, you know, Chicago. 
when you're going through these places and if you're paying attention and you love the history of roots music or any type of music really and then you go to the place where that music was first you know concocted first inspired by those surroundings you really feel a deeper connection to the music i think when you're in that area where it came from we love that mm. you know when you mentioned mississippi delta i got to share the story with you i was coming back from the casinos up in Tunica, Mississippi. It's a little little spot up there in northwest Mississippi. Um, there's probably seven or eight casinos up there. This is south of Memphis. And I was coming back down towards central Mississippi, but I like to take 61 south through the delta because it's such a blues. You know, a lot of people say the blues was invented there. And, um, oh, yeah. So I was driving down 61, and... I was in this little, I can't even remember, the, I don't even know if it's in categories as a town. It was just a little little store on the side of the road. And I saw these three African-American guys, and they were playing, one guy was playing a guitar. And I just stopped in there to use the restroom, but they were singing blues. And one guy was playing. And my little pit stop for restroom turned into an hour and a half of me just sitting there talking to these guys, listening to them jam. It was just in the middle of nowhere, these brilliant blues singers and guitar players Probably nobody ever hear of outside of that town, maybe, but it was just great to listen to that music in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, you know, you go down to the Mississippi Delta, and it's like time traveling, you know? Yes. You feel like, what happened to the world I came from? You know, I feel like you're back in the 40s or 50s almost. Uh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of the same buildings are there, a lot of the same paint on the walls from back then. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, there's, there's something cool I hear from almost everyone I know who goes through the, the Delta who hasn't, you know, spent a lot of time there but who travels through especially the first time is you're just blown away by how nice everyone is how right. it just seems like there's so much less uh, pretense you know in the, with the people you meet and uh, it's just like like I said it's like going back in time it's, it's really mm -hmm. inspirational especially when you love blues music like I do yeah you would have loved it you would have loved that man I'm sure you would have sat right there and, and, and jammed with him dude it was a great little experience for me oh yeah I've done I've done a lot of that going through there for sure <laughs> So, so let me ask you this. Um, I get the impression you knew early on in life you wanted to be a musician. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, and I, I don't remember the exact moment it happened, but, uh, you know, I remember, you know, being a, a kid and I'd, you know, go to my first few concerts. I remember there was one specifically. I was at a Jeff Beck concert. It was the like, first or second concert I ever saw. And, uh, you know, something just made sense to me about being on stage playing guitar, like, first started playing?
just about anything I could get my hands on, whether it was trumpet or baritone or mm. piano. Um, you know, tried just about anything, try to get a tune out of it, but guitar just felt really natural to me. How many different musicians, or I'm sorry, how many different um, musical pieces can you play, instruments? Oh, like different instruments? Yeah. Um, well, you know, so many of the instruments I play are very, uh, like, one-off, very one-of-a-kind, very, you know, a lot of roots instruments, things like the one-string diddly bow, which is a traditional uh, one-string instrument, basically, no frets, no fretboard, so, wow. you know, three-string guitars, four-string, you know, I've got the, the shovel guitar you mentioned, and I mean, all of these really are unique and different instruments, mm -hmm. just like how the mandolin is different than the violin, even though they're so similar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't really know exactly how many instruments I can play, but generally if it has a string on it, uh, especially <laughs> in a lot of things that don't, you know, I, I'm very... Uh, interested and passionate about seeing what kind of music I can get out of it. I just love that. I saw you play an 1840s steel guitar. That, that was amazing. Yeah, well, you know, that was actually, um, that was one that I used on my last album as well as Good Talk, and I've got several videos performing with it. It's actually an old weather barometer that was made in the 1840s. And uh, builder uh, Charles Atchison out of Atlanta, he, he made it into a six-string lap steel, and it, it wow. just sounds so cool. It sounds like it's haunted when you plug it in. Yes. And you hear the tone that comes out of it. Yeah, it does. It has a certain like a like a reverb sound to it. It sounds like you're in an old, like an old empty haunted house or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what's so cool about a lot of those sound object instruments, those roots instruments. Uh, like I call that the barometer. Uh, is that, you know, you, it's not often you play or hear an instrument from the 1840s because it's hard to keep track of something that long and sure. in playable condition. But when you take another object, like a, a barometer, which is made out of wood, it has an empty chamber in the middle that used to hold the, you know, the guts of the actual operation of the barometer. Um, but you take all that out and you basically have a perfect platform for something like a, a semi-hollow lap steel guitar. Mm -hmm. And It's cool about your stuff, man. Every video I pull up, you're playing something. I'm like, what the hell is that, man? And um, you, you, you make it talk, man. It's great. So you were actually called a musical visionary by Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent is one of my all-time favorite. I mean, he's just one of my all-time favorite. I've seen him in concert a couple of times. So when you hear a legend like that speak of you like that, what goes through your mind? Well, you know, it's it's always a huge honor to um, you know receive a compliment like that from somebody who's you know seen as much and done as much in the music industry um and you know that's always just a huge influence to me you know i remember listening to his songs there was you know when i first started really getting into classic rock learning the guitar you know you can't avoid ted nugent uh, just like a lot of other bands you know like mm -hmm. easy top and you know uh, zeppelin uh, cream bands like that you go through the, the list and uh it's like you, you just their influence is felt by guitar players that come after them. And when someone like that takes the time out of their day and, you know, what, what they've got going on, which is plenty to, to say that they appreciate what you're doing out there, um, it just feels good, you know. It's, it's a lot of uh, affirmation that, uh, we're, you know, that we're getting the music out there. It's great. 
and you also had an opportunity to get a little play time in right, right alongside Stevie Wonder and talk about that experience. Well, that was amazing. I was at uh, NAM, which is a huge, uh, I think it's the largest music trade show in the world. Um, I was down, I was in Anaheim, uh, California a few weeks back. And uh, I was there with a showcasing for a company called API, which makes some amazing uh, uh, you know, studio equipment and some other equipment. I'm, I'm showcasing a new pedal that they just came out with at NAMM. And then uh, they used to work with Stevie Wonder, so Stevie came by when he was at NAMM, and uh, we actually uh, played a little bit together. He was playing one of his favorite new instruments, uh, which is called the Harpagey. And uh, it's like a, uh, it looks like a harp, but it has, you lay it down flat and it has frets on it, so you can play it like a piano almost. Oh, cool. And so, you know, I was just sitting there right next to him, you know, side by side, and I was playing, uh, I was playing my shovel guitar, he was playing the Harpagey. Uh, we were talking about music, talking about instruments together, and uh, he's just such a nice, such an approachable guy, and, you know, for someone who's done as much as him and who's, uh, you know, really made that influence on music like Stevie Wonder has, it's just a huge honor to be able to just to hang out with the guy, not to mention play with him and get to know him a little bit, you know what I mean? It was really awesome. I don't think there's a Stevie Wonder song I've ever heard that I don't like, to be honest with you. That dude's oh, man. amazing. Yeah. It really, it's like the Bach of, of that, you know, that's really awesome. What was really cool about watching that was the fact that you're playing, and you're playing that shovel that I like, and you can see Stevie getting into it, man. He does that, that, that vintage rock back and forth, and I heard him, you can see him say, he goes, I like that. You can, you can read his lips and hear him say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. That was great. Absolutely. So, also, um, you have an original track that I read that's used in a movie about Jackie Robinson. Can you, can you touch on that a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was a song. So, on my my first solo release is a double album called Smoke and Mirrors. And one of the places, you know, I was just talking about location and how location matters so much during the recording and writing process for me. And so, when we recorded my first album, I wanted to go to the places where the music came from that I was playing, which is roots music on that album, you know, roots blues music. Mm. And the, the first disc of that album was recorded at Sun Studio in Memphis, the birthplace of rock and roll. And the, the second disc of that album was recorded down in the Mississippi Delta in Sharecropper Shacks, and uh -huh. recorded four songs at midnight at the Crossroads in the Mississippi Delta. And uh, so one of those tracks, you know, the Crossroads, you, you heard the story about, you know, Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil yeah. at the Crossroads. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's this magical place in the Mississippi Delta where you go to kind of like, you know, put your put your soul on the line to get, you know, good guitar yeah. skills. There's all kinds of different ways that the story's told. But, you know, it always seemed like an interesting thing, you know, as a guitar player, what would you play if you were down there? You know, what would that feel like? And so, uh... We were down there. I wasn't, you know, down there making deals or anything like that. We were down there, you know, searching history and wanting to share that history with the listeners. And so um, there's a track that I, I actually improvised it on the spot. It, it was at the stroke of midnight down there at the crossroads. Um, and I named it Midnight at the Crossroads. And uh, it was what, you know, it was that thing. What would you play if you were at the crossroads? That's exactly what I played. I just played my best blues I could at that time. And uh, 
several months later, about a year later, actually, we just got a, an email out of the blue from one of my, you know, all-time heroes in the film industry, Ken Burns. Wow. Uh, you know, of course, he did the Civil War documentary. Yeah. He does these amazing documentaries on yes. jazz and blues. And uh, he, he just started, uh, or just, you know, in the process of getting music for a two-part, four-hour documentary he, he did on Jackie Robinson. And he wanted to use Midnight at the Crossroads for one of the most pivotal themes in the documentary. Oh, wow. And it was just a huge honor because I've always loved his, you know, the music he chooses for his documentary. It's like an art form in and of itself, you know, like mm-hmm. the Civil War soundtrack is just incredibly significant and a famous soundtrack for a documentary. And, uh, you know, to be part of a project like that with Florentine Films and Ken Burns is a huge honor. It was, it was really great. Yeah, no doubt. I saw an interview with him one time on, on C-SPAN. Really interesting guy. Very talented. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's been, you know, um, a lot of people who really study film and everything like that consider him really to be the most influential filmmaker mm-hmm. alive uh, with the actual, you know, the scope and the detail, how he's influenced documentary making. And then also the fact that, you know, he basically teaches everyone history in a way that is fun to learn. You know, I don't know how many of those documentaries... I saw in school because they just teach it so well, you know, and they make it fun and engaging. And yeah. That's so important. It really is. I'd rather, and you make a good point because the more interested a student is, the more they're going to retain the information. If it's just, you know, I had some teachers that I'd rather watch paint dry than listen to them, dude. I mean, for real. Just, you know, <laughs> You know. Yeah, even if it's a subject you love, if the, yeah. you know, if it's not yeah. presented right, it could be so, uh, yeah. you know, disengaging. <laughs> but if it's, if it's told right, yeah, you can really suck someone into the story. Yep. All right, so we touched on this a little bit um, about your record, If if uh, Walls Could Talk, released in 2016, and I read that it was produced by John Carter Cash. Yeah, absolutely. John Carter Cash is um, he's he's the son of Johnny Cash and June Carter, yeah. and he's an amazing musician and producer in his own right. He's actually in LA right now uh, because a album he just produced, uh, Loretta Lynn, her latest album, Full Circle, was uh, up nice. for I think two Grammys, and so uh, they're all out there, uh, hoping you know, fingers crossed for a Grammy tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. But. It was just an amazing experience working there, both the Cash Cabin, especially with John Carter Cash producing the album and him showing the faith in the album that he did. And uh, it's, it's just awesome, you know, coming here to Nashville, meeting him, getting uh, connected with that studio down there. And uh, we couldn't be more proud of the way that the whole album turned out. Yeah. Um, and we'll touch on here in a few minutes. We'll talk about where people can go buy that. And, uh, and I'll give you an opportunity to talk about your websites and things like that. Um, I, I took a question from, sometimes I'll do this, I'll go on social media, social sites and ask some of my followers if they have any questions. And I got some questions for you and I picked one really good one that I liked. Um, and her name was Janet from uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. And she wanted to know, what do you prefer more about music? Do you enjoy creating the song or performing the song that you created? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I've never really thought about the, you know which one I like better because there's there's just something special about both. Uh, yeah. I think that um, you know there's when I'm writing a song, a lot of times um, it'll be me and Nikki, you know, thinking about an image or a place or a feeling, 
and and coming up with almost like a soundtrack for that moment in time for that space and uh, you know there's something like after you finish writing a song and you're really happy with it you just think you know this song didn't exist and now it's a song you know now yeah. it's something that exists uh, and, and it's there in the world and that's just a magical thing you know it's like a a mini burst of something artistic and uh, but you know I don't think that feeling would be as special if if I couldn't perform that song, you know, if I couldn't record it, mm-hmm. if I couldn't put that down, like if I was just composing songs and not performing them, I don't think I'd nearly get the same gratification as if I could write it and then perform it. So I guess I'd have to say out of the two that uh, performing is a little more gratifying because it's the actual act of sharing that with the listener, and that's where you put your feeling into it. That's where you put your inflections into it. And the composition side... If you strictly just compose songs, it's a whole different art form, you know, and you're leaving all of that up to whoever performs it in the future. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, and I had about 10 people ask the same question, so I'm not going to list all their names and cities, um, but they wanted to know who are some of your influences in music. Um, and you have a very unique finger-picking style. I love how you finger-pick, by the way. Um, so can you talk about some, some of the musicians you really, that really most influenced you? Yeah, you know, anyone I hear, I try to get influence from, you know, whether it's something I, I, I want to do or saying I don't want to sound like that, you know, and uh, I always try to find something constructive to take from the music I listen to. But there's three, you know, when I think about my influences as a musician, and especially as a guitar player, I think that it's sort of like a tripod holding up what I do, and I, the three legs of that tripod are Jimi Hendrix, mm. Doc Watson and Django Reinhardt. Oh, wow. And together, I think those three styles are the styles, like when I heard those musicians, it was it was almost like I had to just stop and rethink things. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, it was like, okay, i got to start over. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and uh, <laughs> So those, those styles, I don't know what I'd be playing if I had not come across those styles or if those musicians hadn't made the music they made. I don't know what I'd be playing. It would sound totally different, I think. Yeah, man. You know, one of the things I, I... I play guitar myself, but I don't play... I'm not very good at, like, scales. I'm more of a rhythm guitar player. Um, and one of the reasons... Is that one of the struggles that I've had, and a lot of people also can relate to this, and I notice in your hands, you have, like, the textbook... and Your hands are configured, like, perfectly for guitar playing. People that have the, the lean, the long fingers... Um, tend to do better than people like me who have little stubby short fingers and and small hands. Um, so is there any advice you can give to people like me and some other guitar players that don't quite have the reach capability that somebody with longer fingers and leaner hands have? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I get asked that question a lot from people who are learning guitar and they want to mm-hmm. know. You know, a lot of times I think when you're learning, I mean, it's just hard sometimes. You know, it's hard to get to the next plateau in your learning level. And sometimes you can blame it on things like, you know, I wish my hand was different. I wish my hands were smaller sometimes, honestly, because uh-huh. I feel like you know, it's hard to get certain things with big hands that move fast sometimes. I see some guitar players with really little hands, and it seems like they're just whipping it all over the place. Mm. But I think really it comes down to developing a style around your physical ah, strengths. So sure. everyone has a little, you know, everyone has a different shaped hand. When I look at Hendrix play, he has a, a very unique right hand and left hand posture, the way he holds the 
every guitar player. You know, you watch Doc Watson play, and I, a lot of times I get DVDs and see live performances with artists like that, and I'd mute the music and just watch the physical motions of what's going oh. on with their hands. Mm-hmm. And um, you you end up noticing things when you're not actually hearing the music that you don't notice when you're hearing the music coming from them. And uh, you know, take a, a musician like Angus Young from ACDC, the yeah. guitar player. He's got he's got little hands, you know. He's a he's a shorter person. I mean, the, the SG he plays looks like a freaking upright bass on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> he plays it, and uh, he's just tearing it up. You know, That's I mean, true. he's an amazing lead guitar player. And, and same thing, like I mentioned, Django Reinhardt, one of my heroes on guitar. He uh, burnt off half of his fretting hands in a fire uh, in his caravan. Oh, wow. And so he only had really two and a half fingers on his left hand, but he fretted every, I mean, he was the best guitar player in the world at the time, you know, I mean, pretty much everyone agreed on that. He just smoked everybody, and, and he only had two fingers. And so uh, it's all about finding the way around your physical hurdles and, and really leaning on your physical strengths, whatever it is. Sometimes it's not speed, you know, if you want to play fast and your hands don't want to play fast, Maybe you're the kind of guitar player that says more with less. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people like BB King are known for that. You know, any one note that just makes you feel like crying instead of playing a hundred notes that make you feel like you know, like yeah. in the room or something like that. Um, some people are built for speed. You know, some people's hands just move that way, and uh, you just have to find those strengths. I think that's the key. So what was it that made you pick the Ace of Spades by Motorhead to play on that on that uh, shovel, man? It's like I, 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 I approached a, I approached a friend of mine. and said, "Hey, you want to see uh, Motorhead Ace of Spades uh, being played on a shovel?" And the dude, dude just looked at me like, "What the hell, are you crazy man?" And I played in the video. I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> that was that was you know something we did um, because mainly because we got so many requests for it. I, I have uh, several videos playing that three-string shovel guitar, and because it's actually, you know, it's a shovel guitar, it's a, I guess it's actually a spade. Is the the, the shovel is not a shovel, it's a spade. Yeah. But we got a lot of people, and uh, I think they like, you know, saying the pun, uh, they, they wanted to request Ace of Spades. We got like a hundred requests for Ace of Spades. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite, just, you know, badass rock and roll songs. Oh, too. Definitely. And um, so, yeah, it was just natural. And, you know, it's tough to play on a three-string shovel with the slide uh, because it's such, you know, a fast and intense song, and the riff is just so distinct. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that was one of the challenges with it. But it's it's so fun to play, and it's just fun to crank up the distortion and get that feedback and dig into the, <laughs> no pun intended, dig into the shovel guitar and uh, rock out. I love that song. Yeah, I like Motorhead, period. That's one of my one of my yeah. one of my favorites growing up was Motorhead, and then rest in peace, Lemmy. I hate we we lost him. Yeah, absolutely, huge loss. And uh, but you know that's one of those people that's just gonna live forever, and, and uh, you know he deserves it. He just really put some new music out there that yep. I think just refreshed everybody. Yep, slapped everybody right in the face, man. It was one of those bands. That, <laughs> You know, all right, man. Well, um, before I let you go, and I really enjoyed this, and I really appreciate you coming on board and, and talking to us about your career. We're going to keep an eye on you. Uh, we'd love to get you back on for a follow up too after your next record's out. Um, but before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the fans where they can come find your your music, where they can buy your music, your website, social sites, things like that. 
appreciate that. It was great talking to you also, man, and I'd love to do another interview when uh, driving it down. So that'll be released in March, so maybe we should set something up after that. But um, in the meantime, for everyone listening, if you want to check out my music tour schedule, all of that is available at my website, Justin Johnson Live, L-I-V-E dot com. And uh, click on the store link, check out the music, check out all that good stuff, the videos, subscribe to the YouTube channel, it's all there on the website.